0: Well, this morning in chapter nine, we kinda, we're kind of we're going to pick up a, a shift in the letter to the Corinthian church, and again, it's going to cover a multitude of subjects, as we've been seeing through here. Uh, just as a short recap, remember we talked about some problems they were having and dividing over teachers, who was more spiritual, or you know their spiritual pride. Oh, you know, Peter's this, so I you know, Apollos is this. Paul is this. Well, I you know, no, I uh, you know, Jesus is this, and. You know, you know, Paul said that's just uh, not the wisdom of God. It's just a, it's like the wisdom of man. You know, it's, it's just really the opposite of the wisdom of God. And so he addressed that, talked about that, uh, how we're all one and the Lord uses us and gives us different gifts. And we're not just a, you know, Paul said, you know, <laughs> I didn't die for your sins, right? We, we have one Lord that we look to. And so he addressed all that. You know, we addressed the pride and the sin of one of their members who was living with his stepmom, and then we talked about lawsuits between the believers in the church, and then we talked about him dealing with some of the questions the Church of Corinth had about being single and being married, and then last time we talked about, uh, you know, foods, and the, the issue was on meat sacrifice to idols, but we we talked about the overarching principle in that, that we can... Adopt to 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 so much that's not spoken about in in scripture. And if you haven't caught that message, I encourage you to 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 listen to it or watch it or whatever you want to do, because it just gives that overarching principle. And scripture doesn't speak about something specific. Well, what's the principles we use to apply? You know, uh, whether it's a, you know something you know good or how should we approach it? Or what should we do? And we spent the whole time talking about that. Although it was surrounded by their issue of, you know, buying meat that was offered to idols. But again, there's some great principles about that. And the bottom line was that, you know, he spoke about laying aside your rights for the sake of others. Um, You know, and that was the important principle, again, that we learned through here. And Paul said that's what he did. And even you know, um, that's really what he's going to talk about here as he continues on about laying aside rights. He's not just saying, this is what you guys need to do. He's going to talk about how he has done that in their sight and their understanding and their experience with him. So he doesn't just throw out these, you know, grand principles and says, okay, here, you know, this is what you should do. And uh, like, sometimes we can be, uh, you know, but we don't want to apply them all in our lives. But, you know, Paul was we'll spend really in chapter nine talking much about that, how he did that. He was the one brought in the gospel and he laid aside his rights for support from them to, to do that. And he's going to show them by example. And then, um, we'll talk about again, some other things that he finishes up here in the end about them being faithful to what they should be doing as a church. But, um, we know that they weren't supporting paul financially the corinthian church uh, a lot of people uh, from what we read here kind of looked down on paul the apostle they didn't think he was like peter or or even james who was you know the half brother of jesus or we will even mention jude or some of these other people you know that were um, around uh, when jesus uh, was walking, even though Paul was around, he wasn't involved in the ministry. And so they kind of looked down at him as a second rate apostle, to say, to say the best. A lot in the, uh, or a number of them, at least in the Corinthian church, thought of that. And so he's going to use that whole background to explain to them some basic principles and he's going to correct them on some things and why he did what he did and what he does for the church. And so, verse one says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So he continues on after that last part of verse 7, you know, about not stumbling anybody, um, and laying down your rights and thinking of others and you might have the freedom and liberty to do that but you know you have to think how it's going to affect them and we talked about that and so now he's again rolling into how that works in his life and as i just said we're some in the church were questioning him right questioning even if he was an apostle now i've said this before and i'll just explain it again there's like Apostles, and then there is a po- the apostles with the capital A, like it's a group of people. So, apostle is really just one that's sent out. So, we could call accurately, we could call um missionaries apostles, they're sent out. And, and really, you could if you were sent out from a place to even start a church, it doesn't have to be overseas, right? You, you're, you're sent out. To do that, you, you're considered, you know, you could use the term apostle. Um, some churches, typically the Pentecostal churches, will, will call their uh, their leader apostle, and you've driven by maybe church marquees and seen apostles, reverends, such and such and such, or whatever. They'll have some titles there, and sometimes they take the uh, title of apostle there, um, and I don't have too much of a problem with that personally, but You know, sometimes we use the word and we're not sure what it applies to, but then there's the apostles, the ones that were sent out by Jesus specifically. And typically we think of the 12 disciples who were sent out and spent time with Jesus and he sent them out as the apostles with a capital A. You know, they walk with Jesus and confirmed this by the signs that followed is even as Jesus taught. And so, you know, because Paul didn't fit that mold specifically, a lot of people just wanted to not think of him as something as significant or as spiritual maybe or as authoritative maybe uh, as some of the other guys who did. But we know Paul did meet the Lord. He was taught by the Lord. And he, although he says he calls it, I was done It was done in an abnormal fashion. I was born abnormally, he says. I wasn't like the normal uh, apostles, the capital A, the apostles. But I did meet Jesus. Jesus did talk to me. He'll quote an Acts that, you know, a verse that Jesus, or or something that Jesus said to him that's not even found in the Gospels. So um, we know that he did meet him and did talk to him and did spend time with him and did send him out. And so, you know, he... He was, although even admittedly by himself, he was born in an abnormal way. But either, you know, Paul says, uh, you know, I'm going to lay all that aside. You know, uh, the bottom line is no matter what you think of me, I am an apostle because I brought you the gospel. Even if you don't want to hold me as one of the apostles, if you would, capital A, apostles, I did bring you the gospel. So I am an apostle to you because I was sent to you to share the gospel and share all that. And, um, you know, so I am one of the apostles and I am to you if nothing else. If nobody else wants to consider me an a apostle, I am a, an apostle, right? And uh, it's just, I don't know about you, but I just read that stuff and It kind of makes me sad a little bit. I mean, here's the guy that spent a year and a half of his life, you know, uh, laying aside everything to go around to different towns and cities all, you know, through the Roman Empire, you know, particularly heading, at that point, heading west. And, you know, spends, goes through persecution. You know how many times he's been persecuted leading up to going to Corinth. And he gets there, and he, we talked about this a lot, how he got there. You can look back at the first ones. But, you know, and, and yet they don't really want to consider him something special. Now that they've been a church for a while, and they've walking with the Lord for a while, you know. And here's the guy that sacrificed so much. Well, him and Barnabas, certainly, um, sacrificed so much to share the gospel. And they just, you know, now that they've been around for a while and know a little bit, something, they just don't want to see him as anything kind of important, And maybe because he loved the church so much, he he wanted to correct and instruct the church. And, you know, some people just don't want to learn. Some people are, you know, and their personalities are pretty stubborn. And once they're set on something, they don't want to move out of something. And once they feel like they got a handle on something, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to hear anymore. I got enough where I know what I know, and I know what I should know, and that's all I know. And... (laughs) You know, I don't know if it's that or a number of other things because they just didn't want to hear what he had to say. But I always thought it was kind of sad. You know, here's a guy that did so much for him, and yet they um, didn't really consider him equal to other people as far as, you know, his authority or spirituality, whatever the case may be. So we get a little bit of tidbit about that, and he's going to really go on when we get to Second Corinthians. He's really going to lay it on him in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11. Um, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But now he's going to talk about, you know, financial support. and maybe you know the reason they said that they weren't supporting him might be in this what he says here. Verse three says, "My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? as do also the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. So now he starts questioning, he goes, okay, you know, you don't think I'm much and you may be not thinking much, but I'm the one that brought you the gospel. So I am an apostle to you if nothing else is true. I, you know, if you don't want to believe anything else, you can't argue that point. But, you know, Paul says, listen, uh, I, you know, you think it's, it's right to support Jesus' half-brothers, which is James, who's the guy that kind of ran the Jerusalem church, not the James that was the brother of John that was one of the disciples or one of the original apostles. He, he died very early on. He was beheaded by, um, by Herod, and he, he, he was, died very early on. This is um, one of the uh, half-brothers of Jesus, we'd say today. And so that was James. And then he also talks about uh, the other apostles. And we know the other one that we know of in the New Testament is Jude, right? And uh, so, you know, you think it's right to support those two and also to support Peter or Cephas, another name for Peter, including their wives, but you don't think it's right to support me and Barnabas in ministry? Now, again... Eating and drinking simply means food or provisions, supporting them, okay? Just don't think they can't eat food or something like that or can't drink anything. The idea is support, supporting them so that they can live, right? Eat and drink, you get the idea there. And Paul says, you know, you might think it's, you should support those guys, and uh, okay, and you think they're right because they're, they're greater apostles than I am, and Paul asks them, you know, to let go uh, of their right to eat meat sacrificed to idols, even as he is let go in his own rights as an apostle. And I'm letting that go. I'm asking you to let go of the rights to eat cheaper meat that's sold at these meat markets where some of the meat was probably offered and was offered to uh, idols. I'm asking you to lay that aside. Well, I'm laying aside... Uh, you know, the support, I, I'm I'm just like them, and you support them, you have no problem with them, and I have that right, but I'm not demanding that right, I'm asking that right, you you have no problem supporting them. And um, I also think it's interesting just to point out, you know, here we know that Peter is, you know, still married. I don't know, I point that out, we talked about when Jesus healed his mother-in-law, so we know he was married in the in the Gospels, he's obviously still married, and obviously, well, it seems pretty clear that um, probably James and Jude were both married as well, so, and their wives traveled with them, and, you know, the support paid for for their, you know, wives, and if they had any children, I imagine the same thing here, but I don't know. I always maybe say that because, you know, some church holds Peter as the very high-esteemed one, and... You know they thought it pushed a lot of celibacy, but if Peter was the first pope, then he was married. <laughs> anyway, uh, not to argue the finer points of that, but it, it does say that just for our own knowledge there. So you know, okay, I'm asking you, to lay across your right. I'm showing you how I laid a, uh, a you know, aside my right, and he's going to show him why now that he has the right to be supported from Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it says, verse 6, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, and who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? So he's saying here, you know, uh, Barnabas and I have to work. What You know, so... Is it that we should work and those guys don't have to work because there's something different than us? I mean, should they be supported and I'm not being supported? But he goes to a simple illustration here and he'll, you know, go into scripture, as I said in a little bit here. He just basically gives us, uh, you know, uh, illustrations through um, common thing, uh, right? Does a soldier go to war at his own expense? So is our military. Do they have to work a job, and then you know, uh, when they have to do training or when they have to go out, and they're called to duties, to go someplace, you know, then they, then they go out and then they have to go back to work? No, of course not. They're 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 paid. They go and uh, you're in the military full time. You get paid. Uh, you know, who plants crops or vineyards or whatever and doesn't eat some of the fruit there, or who tends who's a rancher and doesn't drink, you know, milk or cow milk or goat milk or have a lamb chops every once in a while or whatever, a big steak, right? Of course they do that, you you know, and Paul's going to talk about, you know, he had the right to do it, but him and Barnabas didn't choose to take the money because, well, at the end of the day, they didn't want anybody to accuse them of preaching for money, but they had the right to support. They have the right to get support just as those other people. You, You see it right with them, well, I'm still in the same place as they are. I do the same thing. I'm certainly an apostle to you guys. and But I've laid that right aside. I, um, you know, just to bring it to where we are, you know, I, I know moving up here, you know, I, I've always worked. I, um, um, you know, when I first, uh, Pastor Tom asked, you know, said was he was heading out to go on a missions trip, and I... Um, You know, he said, Dylan, I want you to really pray about, you know, leaving and going and planting a church somewhere, and it came as a, you know, as a big shock to me, and I didn't want to do that. I like where I was, and there was a number of issues, but eventually the Lord (laughs) broke through all that, and, uh, you know, it got to the point where Annabelle and I, you know, had prayed, and we were praying about it and talking about it and all that. Um, You know, we just made it, okay, Lord, if this is you moving us out, where do you want us to go? And, you know, when you get to that point, you're just kind of like, okay, well, where? I mean, is it overseas? Is it another country? Is it somewhere in the United States? Is it back east? Is it up north? Is it down south? Is it where, you know, where do you, where do you want us to go? And you just have to lead us to where you want us to go. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what our heart was. Okay, you're calling us out. Well, where are you calling us? And most of you know the story. I got a call like, you know, after we came to that and okay, Lord, and now we're praying, where do you want us to go? I you know, I get a call, um, again, as I you most of you know the story from one of the, the principal engineer for the state who never really called me and he called me about something and the Lord just prompted me, Hey, is there another some openings anywhere else in the state? And you guys know the rest of the story, you know, it was brought up here. He said, I'll come look at the area for a week. We thought it was going to be in Silicon Valley, and turned out he was wrong. He doesn't really deal with those things day in and day out. It happened to be over here, and as the Lord led us and led us to here, we, you know, here here we are in Watsonville, but, um, you know, we were open to that, but because we're open to go anywhere, but the Lord opened the doors for us to come here and for me to have a job working with the state. If we had to move any place else, I would have had to work. Done something else, or I don't know, maybe he didn't, you know, if he moved to someplace else, you know, there's times when people don't work, they just, you know, kind of step out in faith, and maybe the church supports them, that sent them out for a few months or something, and then they, you know, um, do that. But in, in in our case, you know, I've just always worked, and, um, and that's okay. You know, Paul and Barnabas were doing that quite a bit. Others weren't doing that. But it's okay, either way, what the Lord calls, you know, called in circumstances and situation. But this is what I think was going on, um, is, you know, they kind of looked down at Paul, as like, well, you're not the same as those guys, because, you know, here you are working. You know, when you came to share the gospel, you know, you're making tents with, with Barnabas, and, you know, you're working, and then when work's done, you know, you you share the gospel and then you'd go over to the synagogues and once that didn't work out you kind of you know had a little place that you guys met and then you know you were working and then you'd meet and all this kind of stuff and then these other guys sometime later you know years arguably later you know kind of come in and oh they're full time they were they don't they don't have to work they're they must be more spiritual they must be better because Paul and Barnabas have to work and so Therefore, you know he, they kind of look down on Paul because and Barnabas because they worked. I get that. Honestly, I get that. You, oh, you, oh, you you work, and all of a sudden I'm I'm half the pastor as anybody else because I work. I, trust me, I get that from other pastors. You know they just look down at you. Like, Something must be wrong with you because you work. You're not really a pastor. You're not really, you know, like. You should be or something. I, I I get that so much. It's only people that have walked in those shoes that, that you know, kind of understand that. And other people that have never walked in those shoes just... I, I can, you know, not to the degree, Paul, and I'm not elevating <laughs> myself up to that position by any means. Please don't misunderstand me. But I get that. I mean, I, I get how they were feeling. Like, hey, these guys you know, they're getting all this, they're getting all that, and they don't have to work, so they must somehow be more spiritual or better or recognized by more people as being this or that or something, and that's why they don't have to work. Why, these guys, well, they're probably not, you know, the A team. They're probably the C team, and so they have to work. And that's the way, sadly, the Corinthian church looked at these guys. Well, that's what they should do, because they're not really A apostles or B apostles or whatever, you know. And, and Paul brings it down and says like well wait wait a minute just think of common sense like who who goes in the military and supports himself you know who plants a vineyard and 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 doesn't who doesn't work at one of those places and doesn't expect to get paid let's put it in those terms how's that you know soldier vine flocks or whatever you expect to be paid you work you get paid and you know not all, that's the way it should be whether it's to do with the gospel, because you're working and sharing the gospel and doing all those things ministry-wise, or if you're in the military or working at a farm or whatever the case anybody works, right? You, you just, it's, a, it's a common sense way of looking about it in the world. And again, the Word of God addresses it well as well in verse 8. Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses... You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it the ox God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt. This is written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you... Is it, not, is it a great thing if we reap material things, uh, your material things? So, you know, he talks about with just kind of the common sense. You work, you expect to get paid. Well, the same thing is true with working in the spiritual, work, you know, sharing the gospel. You're, 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 you're feeding, uh, you're working to share the word of God and prayer and all the other things that go along with that. And, and so, you know, you, you expect when you work to get compensated so you can support yourself. And he gives, you know, uh, two witnesses, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 25 talks about that. And he's saying, you no, know, one of the laws was, okay, when the, you know, they have the wheat or whatever grain they are, they throw it in there and they get a big stone and they usually get an ox to pull it around or some animal. But usually the bigger the stone, you need a bigger ox, you know, because you want them to smash it pretty well and get the, the grain, you know, off the husk and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, you know here's this ox working and working and working, and all this grain here is eat, and to, to put a, something on its mouth so it can't eat the grain while it's walking and walking and walking and walking and pulling this heavy stone would be cruel, right? But Paul says, listen, it's not he's, God's worried about the ox. The whole point of that was to, to share um, uh, you know, that you know, when you work, you should receive some sort of benefit, some sort of support. And that has to do with spiritual things as well. That's what he's saying. It applies with that very clearly. Now, he'll repeat this in 1 Timothy chapter 5 as well. He'll talk about that. But he's, you know, um, I just, you know, you see how the Word of God just comes together, right? You know, um, he puts these instructions way back in the law that just have application for the church in the New Testament. You know, it's, a, it's pretty cool. The amazing plan of God, obviously, there. But again a person works and hopes that they'll be compensated and, and provided for, right? And he says verse 11, right? Now, how much more about spiritual things. If people are blessed spiritually, isn't that more important? Isn't that the most important thing? I mean, if if you put order of importance things in life, isn't our spiritual life the most important? So shouldn't that be a priority because you want to grow spiritually? You, you know, you're not working for the things of this life. You're not working for a 401k or for retirement or, you know, to do this or do that, you, you know, because uh, those things will get older and slow down and, you know, they won't matter at a certain point in our life. Right. But we, we're, we're thinking about eternity, eternity in our eternal home. And what we do here on earth with our time, and so spiritual things for for most people that are cer- certainly are believers, the spiritual things are, are the most important. So why wouldn't you want to get the most benefit out of the things that are the most important? Paul says. Um, you know, if you're blessed spiritually, isn't that super important? Now, my experience is with just I'll just bring up the subject of pastor's pay because I think it's kind of interesting. Um, I don't get paid, so it (laughs) doesn't involve me. But, you know, either churches have two, and and I'm speaking in general terms, okay? So there are some churches, I'm sure, that are really good. But either they they want them to live in poverty, which I don't get. You know, they want them just to barely get by, and so they give them a you know, maybe a parsonage that's been built in the forties or something like that, and especially if you go through the Midwest or you know, East Coast and you you guys are from that area, so you you know that, right? You know, these old a parsonage, uh, you know, attached to this, you know, it's a two-bedroom, one bath, it's been there forever and you know, barely, you know, has running water in it. And yeah, you can live there for free, and then we'll give you, you know, uh whatever, a thousand bucks to live on. And you know, there's so many pastors that just live poverty level, and churches think, well, that's what they should do because it's the church's money, and so they should live at some poverty level, which I, I don't personally understand, or they think you should be making more than everybody else, and you should be driving Mercedes, and having $2,000 suits, and you know, uh, Rolex watches, and gold jewelry, and you know, it's like either and most of them are down here at the poverty level, but there are some that want to put them way above everybody else to show how great the church is and how much money they have. I don't really get all that stuff. But it's just kind of sad. There's like no, and again, I'm speaking in general terms, but for the most part, it's just there's no middle ground on that. And um, and again, uh, people want to go to church and expect to be blessed. They expect to be fed. They expect to be loved. They expect to be instructed, they expect it to be helped when they're going through problems in life. They they want to get married, they want their loved ones buried, they they want they expect all those things from the church. They they ex- just expect to have, you know, nice comfortable chairs and heating and air conditioning and, and all these things, but it's just kind of sad how few people <laughs> want to put money towards those things. They just don't see the value in it. The Lord kind of gets their leftovers, but they want all these. This is the expectation, but this is, you know, the reality of life. And and, and somebody said this years ago, and I always it always ministers to me, um, you know, what would the church look like if everybody supported it the way you support it? Would it be a blessed thing that had money to support missionaries and send people out and you know pay for certain things and have great outreaches and all this kind of stuff or would they just be on their last penny every month hoping to pay the PG;E bill and uh, you know barely you know uh, and certainly not being able to do anything else I mean if everybody gave to the church the way you give to the church what would the church look like and that's just a great great way of looking at it and that's what you know I think it's important to see Um, again, when a person withholds money from the Lord, they're saying, in fact, that material things are more important than spiritual things. So again, you know, it comes down to the thing, what's priority, material or spiritual? And, you know, what's more important for you guys? What's going on here? And so he concludes with this in verse 12, If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right but endured all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple and those who serve at the altar partake of the altar of offerings of the altar verse 14 says even so the lord command has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel so paul brings it around now because we've never received a dime from you nor have we asked for one and again as we'll see here he, he just didn't want it, their motives when he when they rolled into town and they're preaching the gospel for their first time they, they just wanted to take away that question of they're there because there was people and all sorts of people. Certainly, you know, as you get closer to Greece and uh, in, in, or in Greece, you know, there was all these philosophers that would travel around and people that would travel around and just, you know, talk to the people and get support and kind of doing that. And they just didn't want to be thrown into that bunch of itinerant people just driving around, going, or not driving, walking around or whatever and doing this and, you know, saying a few things and then going off. So we just leave money out of the whole deal and we don't want anybody to question those motives. That's not why we're here. It's to share the gospel and the good news. And that's the way it was in the beginning. But at some point, as he says here, um, you know, you guys support others and you support those people how much more to those that brought you the gospel and that care about you? And though Peter showed up, and and probably Jude and James and others had shown up, Apollo certainly had shown up, and you guys, oh, it's oh, great, wonderful, and all that. Let's yeah, let's support them wherever they go. You know, here's old Paul and Barnabas. That you know, oh, those guys have worked, and they're not really the A apostles and all that kind of stuff. And and he says, listen, um, you know, through Scripture it's very clear. And he says, you know. Verse 13 talks about the Old Testament again, you know, uh, that was the operation of the Old Testament, the worship in, the, in the, the temple of the Lord, right? They brought their offerings, they brought their grain offerings, their food offerings, their firstborn offerings, their tithes, their, you know, all those things that they were to bring in. Well, those went towards um, partly to support those that were there working in the temple. That's what he says, you know that's a, that's a great witness that those might come when you come to the temple to to worship the Lord and to provide present these things and do this there's a person there you know to help judge matters and to you know to take the animal knows what the Lord wants to do speaks to the Lord you want prayer you want questions that they're there and that supported all that that was the the way the Lord did it in the Old Testament that was God's plans for his people and then Paul says you know nothing has changed in the New Testament for those who minister to them, nothing. Verse 14, you know, it it hasn't changed. And of course, most of us know that Jesus sent out you know, 70 and then he sent out the 12 and told them to take nothing, right, don't take any extra food, don't take uh, even extra clothes, don't take anything. I want you to walk out in faith and just live by faith and trust that I'll work in the hearts of, of, of God's people To take care of you and support and take care of your needs it was a lesson in faith for them it was a lesson in in blessing people for for those towns that they came in it's just worked together for good for for everyone and you know that's why he sent them out and so you know he says that listen that's what the Lord started that's what the Lord sent it was true in the Old Testament it's still true in the New Testament but there are times um you know in life in a church uh church you know history, even the church that we came from, there was some I wish I could remember because it's just kind of a bl- blur in my mind I don't know if it was the late nineties we had some kind of recession, maybe it was the early two thousands or something like that, but I remember the church you know where we came out of was having some financial issues, and I think the interest rates went up on the 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 payment for the for the church building and the property. I'm trying to remember all the details. It's a little hazy for me now, but there was some issues. And I think, you know, there were some investors that the property was gonna be used for that they didn't want to carry the loan anymore. So we had to get loan and it was kind of expensive. Anyway, the bottom line is that, you know, um, the the couple that were on, uh, people that were on staff had to go out for a time period and, 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 and work. There just wasn't enough income at that point to for them to be full-time as they had been for years. And um, I remember that uh, we had a, a guy who was now a pastor in, in Japan, a good friend. He was working as a manager at Nike Town. Remember those stores, Nike Towns, where you sold Nike shoes? I don't think they're around anymore. But uh, he worked at one of those in Costa Mesa, and he, he was able to get uh, some of those guys jobs down there. And I remember them going down and, and you know, working there, and you know, but I'll tell you, I saw a big difference between when they were working, even if it wasn't completely full time, maybe 20, 30 hours a week, and I think the other one was working full time, but you could see how much, I knew how much more work I had to do and how things really changed when that dynamic happened in the church. It was, it, it, it really changed things. Uh, it wasn't a good change either. I mean, it's something they had to do. Nobody was complaining about it. Hey, that's what I have to do. It wasn't moan or complain. Uh, you know, the pastors were just, you know, hey, this is where we are. The Lord has us here. We're just going to go do it. It wasn't anything other than that. It wasn't appeal for money or anything like that. And, uh, but I did see the impact on that. And so I, I see, and maybe you've witnessed that too in different places where you've been, but, you know, verse 14 is still very true. In the end, it hurts everyone. And it's sad when people don't see the value in doing that or in the obedience of what the Lord's calls to do. It, it does affect everything. And Paul's saying, you know, it's very clear that this is scriptural. Now he'll tell us his story in verse 15. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written uh, these things that I, it should be done so, uh, so to me. For it would be better for me to die than to any, that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity, it is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. Verse 18 says, what is my reward then that when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Listen, Paul goes back and says, listen, I've never charged you. I've never asked for money. I've never taken a penny of your money. And, uh, you know, I, I, never wanted it to be about money. Now, we know Paul and Barnabas were supported by some of the other churches, and there was a time where they could minister more full-time in Corinth. It certainly did happen. Uh, There was support sent at different times there. But he said, you know, I never took a, 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 a penny from you that nobody could say anything about me being there for anything other than to share the gospel. And then he goes on to say, whether I receive a penny or not, I have to do what I have to do because God's calling in my life is for me to share the gospel. And I'm going to do it whether I get nothing or whether I have to work full time or work no time or whatever. I have to do it. Whether I have a good attitude about it or whether I have a bad attitude about it. I need to do it because that's my calling and I have to respond to the call of God in my life. I just have to do it. Which I think has got a lot of truth, you know, You know, people use this quote all the time from Spurgeon, but he would tell his school of ministry, you know, guys that wanted to go into ministry, he said, listen, if you can do anything else, do it. And you can do it. And, um, you know, some of you guys remember the old Calvary Chapel and I was reading something and somebody was, you know, reminiscing about old Romaine, the assistant pastor for Chuck Smith and how he used to kind of sift out all these Young people that wanted guys that wanted to come in and get into you know ministry and and all this, and you know he would just really sift them out, "Is that really your heart? Can you take this? Can you take me talking to you like this and can you take cleaning up oh, yeah, here's your ministry, go clean the toilets well, that's not what I expect. I want to be a Bible teacher. okay well, you know what I mean It was kind of a a, a testing and approving grounds to see you know what you were willing to do for the Lord and those that just didn't have that burning desire right. They just kind of, fed, you know, fall fell away, right? And so, uh, you know, the same thing is true. He, he, there's too many hard times as a pastor that if it's not your calling, that you're just going to give up and you're going to quit and tall in the towel. And it just, uh, you know, you got to do it. You got to do it, and you got to do it no matter what anybody else says or does because that's your calling. And Paul said, "I need to do that." And uh, again, I'm not going to take a penny. Uh, on this, because I don't want to seem like self-serving in any sort of way. Um, but again, the you know um, the same thing is true in, in my life. I just you know I'm just not going to do it. And hopefully, it's some day, I'll join Carl in the retired ranks here. Um, <laughs> and Thomas pretty soon. Well, not you. You're, you're, you want to work a little longer than I do. But you know I will be able to do more things. You know, I like to be more effective in a lot of areas, but you know, until that time, that's that's when it happens. But it doesn't make you stop. I mean, and Paul said, I can't quit. I can't not do it. I ha- I have to do it. And we have to do it. And it's, it, it's, nothing gets in the way of that. It's something that you just have to do. It's as natural as breathing almost. And he's saying, listen, I, I'm going to continue to do that, whether, you know, I get anything from you. And at this point, I don't want anything from you, because it's just going to be this big fight now over money. And I'm Don't want to focus on all those peripheral things that you guys tend to get caught up, Corinthians, or at least some of them. And I'm not going to go that way. We're just just going to focus on the gospel, what we need to do. But you guys need to get it right. You need to understand this. It needs to be clear. And I imagine in his ministry, he probably never took anything from them um, because there would just be too much upset in the apple cart. And again, I'm going back to Chapter 8, where he says, lay aside your right. Yes, you have the right to, to do this and go there and get that. But for others' sake, lay it down. And listen, let me tell you by example. It's exactly what I'm doing here. So I'm, I speak from experience. And verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I become became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. And to those under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. And to those who are without law, as without law, uh, not being without law toward God, but under law towards Christ, that means the non-Jewish people, right, basically, that I might win those who are without the law. And verse 22 says, to seek Uh, To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. So, you know, again, what I do uh, is what it takes to share the gospel to everyone. And if that means working, I'll work. No big deal. You know, my desire is that everyone comes to know the Lord. And I'm not gonna demand anything, and I'm gonna lay aside whatever needs to be laid aside so that people can hear and come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In other words, I'm not going, to, I'm gonna think of others. If I'm around a bunch of uh, Jewish people, I'm not gonna order pork chops. Now, can I eat pork chops? Absolutely. Have a ham sandwich? Do I have the freedom to do that? Absolutely. But thinking about, what, how they might feel about that, I'm going to give up that right. I'm not going to have pork chops around around the Jewish person or whatever, a ham sandwich or, you know, this or that. I'm not going to do that in front of the Jews. And when I'm in pe- front of people that are not Jewish, they're, they're Gentiles, I'm not going to start ordering kosher food. Oh, I can't eat that, you know, I can't eat that, you know, uh, ham hocks, you know, because it's not kosher, and I can't, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to eat whatever they have there. I'm not going to say, well, I, I, I only, I want kosher food, or this or that, and then, and then all the people that are, you know, not Jewish people that are Christians are going to look at, or people that are going to say, well, okay, do I need to do that to, you know, be right? You know, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. And I'm willing to do what it takes to live and to share the Gospels, thinking of others before myself, Now, something very important for you and I to understand, this does not mean to water down the message, to shy away from talking about sin or hell or this or that. We're not talking about that. Let's make that very clear. We stand firm on the gospel and its message. We always should. We always will. And the sad thing is, as we go... Closer, as times get closer and closer to the end, you're going to have more and more groups and church groups, sadly, that are going to compromise. It's just, we're told that in Scripture, when the last days come, all those things are going to, you know, go after itching ears to tickle what they want to hear, and they don't want to be offensive, and they don't want anybody to be offended, and, you know, all that. And we're not talking about that. We're not talking about laying down those, you know, important things, and the important word of God and the message of the gospel. I, you know, I told you the story a million times and know burned into my head, but, you know, there's a big church in, in our community and, uh, and remember when Prop 12, I think it was, about homosexual marriage when it first came out way back, I don't know, 2004 or <laughs> whatever that, I think it was Prop 12. And anyway, so of course the media around here, you know, wanted to get quotes from pastors of different churches and, you know, uh, I remember they called... Uh, Dave Johnston, and, uh, you know, asked him, he was doing Calvary Chapel, uh, Santa Cruz, thank you, at the time, and he's, you know, he just, you know, if you know Dave, <laughs> he just gave him the gospel, and all, this is what the Bible says, and, you know, I asked a couple other churches around, oh, yeah, we invite them, we let them in, and, and then, you know, went this one other church just said, oh, yeah, well, we just, you know, just kind of danced around the whole issue, didn't want to take one side or the other, and, I remember Dave told me later on that that pastor called him and said, man, you don't want to get all divisive here. And, you know, you should just, you know, kind of just go along. And and he he says, I'm going to tell him the gospel. I'm not going to water it down because... Everybody thinks, you know, it's going to cause a problem. There's going to be pe- things that we say in the Bible that we teach that we know are true that are going to be divisive. And we can't get away from that. Now, it doesn't mean we do that on purpose. We don't seek to be divisive. We, we don't want to, you know, cause battles and just start arguing. And you guys know of people. We've had people here that just love to come through here that just love to argue about everything and anything. And they just, that's not the way it should be. You know, but there are going to be people that are divisive. And I remember I asked somebody that went to that church for 30 years, and I said, you know, why was there such a watered-down, wishy-wash answer to a straightforward question? And I remember she told me, she said, you know, 75% of the church uh, believes what the Bible says and, you know, understand that and believe that. But there's 25% of those that really don't, believe that, and they stay silent for those 25%, and I thought, that's just wrong, (laughs) and we should never be that way. It just, it shouldn't be that way. Now, we don't seek to be divisive, and we don't want to cause problems, and we don't want to, people like to do that to get their name out and argue, and none of that, but again, make sure it's very clear. We stand firm on the gospel. We stand firm on the truths of the Bible. We don't let society chase down and change what the Bible teaches. Oh, that was back then, it's not now. You get into so much... People like to do that on all sorts of issues. But once you walk through that door and say, oh, that was back then and this is now, you've opened the door for everything. It's, I guess I shouldn't stray too much into politics, but I will for a little bit here. Um, You know, it's like our Supreme Court justices, either they're constitutionalists, they're called, that they believe what is written in the constitution and that's what's written there. So, and then there's the non-constitution and there's some three nut cases, sorry, uh, three way out there on the Supreme Court um, that believe, oh no, you look at this in light of what we think today, which opens you up to everything, right? Just like the Bible, if you, well, yeah, that's what they did back then, but today we're a little smarter in our societies here. So this is what it really looks like today. Man, you open that door and there's just no end to where you can go because you can justify everything and change everything and anything you want. And um, again, there's going to be people who are going to be offended uh, with the gospel and it's just the way it's going to be. We know the scripture tells us that, but make sure it's not because we just like to argue or our point of view on politics or some other issue or something like that. You know, if it's going to divide, let it be over what's, important, which is the gospel. And let's finish up here in verse 23. Now, this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one uh, receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for a prize is temperate in all things. Now they do not do to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So at the end here, Paul kind of winds it up here and basically says to him, listen, uh, don't get distracted. You know, what we're trying to do in the end is all for the good for the gospel. You know, don't give up, don't allow your life to go off course Uh, You know, remember that we're all heading in the same direction. This is a race, and we need to train and stay fit, if you would, to stay in the race. And seek after the prize because it's all worth it. He puts it back to that. Yes, you're laying this aside for that, or you may not do that for this, or this is going... Okay, in the end, that's just part of you training and running the race, so don't get distracted. and Don't say, well, I'm not going to do that. I feel like doing this, and I, this is my right, and they can't tell me not to do this or do that. Just lay all that down. Remember, we're all running. We all want to get to the finish line. We all want to win the prize. We all want to you know, inherit that imperishable crown. We all want to go to heaven and be welcomed by Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Because in the end, it's all going to be worth it. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it in subjection, subjection lest when I've preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So it takes you know, a disciple to be a giver and to stay in the race and to be a faithful child of the king. And we want to make it to the finish line and we want to finish well. And he said, it's, it's worth laying aside all those things for the kingdom's sake. Amen? Amen? Father, we do thank you for your word and the reminder that you put in here, Father. There's important lessons for us, Lord, and I can't help but to think all these lessons as we were learning and going to see in the Corinthian church have such application for us today, Lord. As um, a church, much like, uh, you know, living in a society of their time is much like the society of our time, and Lord, it's just important that we uh, learn these important principles that we stand fast <clears throat> and hold our ground on the important and fundamental things of Your Word, Lord. But when it comes to others and believers, and they're weak in this area and they're struggling, that you know we don't, you know, bulldoze over them or don't consider, you know, how they might think about something or how somebody might interpret something, Lord. We always need to be mindful of that, and uh, you know, we're called to serve one another, just as our Lord Jesus, You washed. Uh, the disciples' feet, and so, Lord, you showed how important it is to be a servant. And Lord, we want to continue to uh, to do that, and help us to be faithful and faithful in the things that we're supposed to do and called to do, Lord. And in the end, uh, we're the ones that become far more blessed than we ever put out in the first place, Lord. We can't outgive you in any sorts of way, Lord, and uh, we thank you for that. So bless these things, draw us close, Lord. Uh, And bless these things to our hearts where we ask this in Jesus' name.